Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're just in the middle of a, of a story in uh, Acts chapter 16, Colin. We, we're seeing Paul and Silas. Paul is preaching. And he gets very exasperated, as you said yesterday, by a girl who was clearly being affected by a demonic spirit. And uh, eventually Paul takes action. But we were talking yesterday, maybe he delayed action because he knew there would be repercussions, serious repercussions, as a result of uh, dealing with this evil spirit. Yes, and we've got to look at those repercussions now. Verse 19 of chapter 16. However, when the girl's owners realized that they could no longer use her to make money, they seized Paul and Silas and hauled them before the magistrates in the marketplace. They claimed these Jews are fermenting uproar in the city. They are encouraging people to do things that are contrary to our Roman customs. As the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, the magistrates ordered that they be stripped and beaten. They were severely flogged and then thrown into prison where the jailer had strict orders to guard them carefully. So he put them in a cell and secured their feet in the stocks. Well, when you read that, you can understand Paul's reluctance to actually deal with this situation until it was absolutely necessary. But God is going to turn up and do something miraculous again. So we read in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God while the other prisoners listened. Suddenly a violent earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains were unfastened. The jailer awoke and seeing the prison doors open was about to kill himself because he assumed all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed into their cell, and fell to the ground before Paul and Silas, trembling with fear. He then led them out of the cell and asked them, Sirs, how can I be saved? They told him, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you and your whole household will be saved. Then they revealed the word of the Lord to the jailer and his whole household, even though it was the middle of the night. They were all baptized once the jailer had washed Paul and Silas's wounds. He welcomed them into his house and set a meal before them and was filled with such joy because he and his whole family had now become believers. Now, let's just scotch a misapprehension here because there are some people that use this passage to justify the practice of what is called infant baptism. But it is very clear that even though it was in the middle of the night, uh, the word of the Lord was revealed to the whole household. Let me tell you, the little kids would not have been up in the middle of the night if there were little kids. And also, it says in verse 34, that he and his whole family had now become believers. So it doesn't say that there were infants who were baptized, everybody who was baptized had become a believer. Very, very important so that this passage is not abused and misused uh, in the wrong way. So this is a, a wonderful story of really how um, 
instead of just leaving the prison and getting out of the place as quickly as possible, uh, the uh, Paul and the the others are concerned for the salvation of the jailer and his family, and so we have this this wonderful um, situation really where. Uh, right there in the prison, um, a whole family comes into the kingdom of God. But the story doesn't end there, does it? No, at daylight, the magistrates sent officials to order the jailer to release Paul and Silas. The jailer told Paul, you are free to go. The magistrates have ordered that you are to be released, so go in peace. But Paul told the officials, the magistrate had us beaten publicly without trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and then had us thrown into prison. And now they want to be rid of us secretly? Never. Let them come here themselves and release us. The officials went and reported this to the magistrates, who were alarmed when they realized that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They came apologetically and escorted them out of the prison and asked them to leave the city. But first, as soon as they were released from the prison, Paul and Silas went to Lydia's house, where they met with the believers and encouraged them before leaving. Uh, it was a very serious mistake on the part of the magistrates to actually have beaten Roman citizens without trial. They would have had the authority to, um, to have them beaten, but only if they had been found guilty. So they realized that they were in a very, very precarious position and that Paul and Silas could, if they chose, really make an issue of this and, and take action against them. So this is why they are so apologetic and they just want them to leave the city and, and to get rid of them. But they went first to Lydia's house. You remember the, the lady who had become a Christian, the the one who was a trader in the exclusive purple cloth. So we get this wonderful insight into what is happening uh, here in, in Philippi. But again, you know, the situation gets such that Paul has got to move on. And isn't that the way with, with Paul? Doesn't matter where they went, they... they um, in the end, were forced, really, to move on to another situation. It does beg the question, did they achieve all that God had accomplished? Well, I think so, because, you see, uh, this enabled them to go and plant churches in several different places. So in everything, God was working for good. He was, he was uh, seeing the kingdom of God extended. And one of the remarkable things is that it's, it, it's quite obvious that Paul left a group of strong believers in each place because when they went back, the church, all these churches had grown, they'd prospered, uh, despite the persecution that sometimes they experienced. So uh, people were being what we call thoroughly saved. There was nothing superficial going on here. People's lives had really be completely turned upside down because they'd um, turned to Christ. So now they're traveling on. They pass through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, 
and arrive in Thessalonica. Uh, they're, they're really now moving into uh, more and more of the area which we know as, as Greece today. As was his custom, Paul went to the Jewish synagogue and on three successive Sabbaths explained and proved from the scriptures that the Christ, their Messiah, had to suffer and then to rise from the dead. He told the people, this Jesus of whom I speak is the Christ, your Messiah. Some of the Jews were convinced and joined Paul and Silas together with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and several prominent women. This only made the Jewish leaders jealous. So they gathered a mob of undesirable characters from the marketplace and began a riot in the city. They made for Jason's house looking for Paul and Silas, intending to deliver them into the hands of the mob. Failing to find them there, they dragged Jason and some believers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble everywhere they have been, and now they have come here. This Jason has welcomed them into his home. They all speak against Caesar's laws, claiming there is another king who they call Jesus. This claim threw both the crowd and the city officials into confusion. They forced Jason and the others to post bail and then release them. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? <laughs> you see the cost in these people's lives. You see the opposition and the persecution. And, uh, you know, I know of, of church leaders today in certain countries. I'm not going to uh, mention any details on air where the um, attitude of the leaders is not if they will go to prison, but when they will go to prison for their faith. They just know it's inevitable. And some have been in prison and released uh, on several occasions. Um, I was hearing the other day of a pastor that always takes a small uh, suitcase with him whenever he goes to a service because he knows it could be raided um, and he could be whisked off to jail. And this has happened to him several times before, so now he always has a little suitcase so he can take a change of clothes with him when he goes to jail because the kind of, of, of conditions in the, some of these jails is pretty horrendous. So, uh, you know, that's the attitude, but it doesn't put them off, you see. They know Christ, they know the truth, they contend for the truth, they see people being saved. And their attitude is very similar to that of Paul's, that um, Paul, <laughs> Paul suffers all these kind of things for the gospel. And then he, he writes years later towards the end of his life, he describes these things as minor inconveniences compared with the great reward that there is for preaching the gospel. He said, what, you know, what really are these minor inconven inconveniences compared with the uh, inheritance that is ours in Christ. What a wonderful attitude. And I mean, this man just suffered constantly, didn't he, for the sake of the gospel. But with never any complaint, he just continued to accept that it was all inevitable as part of the cost of confronting those that were in bondage with the truth of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 